What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. As always, a couple housekeeping details to take care of. Before we get into our sponsorships and then the intro for our guest today, I want to remind you to please leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps us come off as though we're doing things well which I believe that we are, and I think that a lot of you believe that we are too. And so the best way to show that is to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. And then don't forget, you can find us on pretty much every social media outlet by searching Cold Shower Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you can find my personal Instagram page at underscore Taylor Kramer because I am all about that cold shower lifestyle, even in my personal life and on my personal Instagram page. Or you can go to our website, coldshowerpodcast.com, to see all the things that we have going on in terms of previous episodes, blog posts, all types of stuff. That is the best way to see what we are doing. So please go check out some of those things. And a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Lammy Wellness Teas. They are a loose leaf tea company, and they've been supporting us for, I would say, like the last month or so. We have all of their loose leaf teas, and we enjoy them on a daily basis. My wife and I really can give us that kick that we need in the morning, or maybe an all-day sipper, or even at night to help us unwind and relax so that we can be sure to enter a restful period of sleep. These guys are really doing a lot of cool stuff. They plant a tree with every online order. They have national park blends, which means any of those blends that are purchased, a certain amount of the proceeds will go back to benefit the national parks. So basically these these guys are just all-stars and I'm uh, lucky to call them friends as well. So please go to lammywellness.com to get a little bit more of an idea of what their products are like, tons of flavors to choose from. They're super, super legit and they're even making their way into some retail stores. But I think the best way of, of finding out what they're doing is to go to their website and I will link to that in the show notes, lammywellness.com. And please don't forget that you can catch myself as well as some of my dearest friends on stage in Traverse City November 13th for the second edition of our Let's Talk series where we're tackling some pretty difficult or divisive topics in order to create an inclusive space for conversation. We have come up, come up with various topics that we think people tend to avoid or not approach the conversations correctly. And I'm really, really passionate about this next topic. And I think that it's super important. And we are covering mental health, depression, grief, and loss. That's right. All of those hard hitting topics in one session. So we have a panel of a group of people who have experience with each one of those things. And they're coming to share their views on that, how they would like conversations to be approached and kind of teach us, you know, what we can do in order to create a more welcoming environment for conversations so that when we see people struggling, we're not just leaving them out to dry. We are continuing to engage them and treat them the way that they deserve to be treated. It's going to be awesome. So we will have light snacks and beverages. The doors open at 530 and the event itself will run till about 830. And then after that, we usually head to a brewery and have further conversation if you're into that. But uh, the first one was a ton of fun, and I so much appreciated the people that came out and engaged us in conversation as we gave them a chance to grab the microphone and ask some questions as well. So for more details on that, you can go to dinnerdebateanddiscourse.com, or if that's too much of a mouthful to remember, then just check the show notes. I'll have it linked there. 
Alrighty, a brief introduction for my guest, and then we will get the conversation cracking. I was fortunate enough to get Courtney Lorenz in our studio a couple of days ago. She is the CEO, the founder, the chief passion officer, the brains, the creativity behind Cultured Kombucha. And it is just really, really interesting, this conversation that we had. She is well-versed in the world of food, health, Reiki, meditation, like all kinds of interesting practices that I think are coming more to the forefront, but there's still a lot for people to learn. And so that is what we geared our conversation towards is she was able to educate me on a ton of stuff. And in turn, you listeners will be educated as well. We really got to nerd out over some dietary things, uh, talking about ways of reducing inflammation naturally, body health, brain health, all kinds of stuff. And it was really cool because I have like all these half thoughts or things that I have read at one time or another and don't really remember all the pieces of them. And so I was able to just throw random bits and pieces at her and she could finish what I was thinking and explain it in much further detail. So I hope that you guys appreciate her expertise and her passion on this topic. Without further ado, give it up for Courtney Lorenz. And we're live. I am in studio with a special guest, Courtney Lorenz, and we're going to talk about what exactly she does, her interests, her business, uh, maybe some of her health practices. But thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Taylor, I am so excited to be here with you today. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, of course. I've had my eye on your operation really since my wife and I moved to the area and I just finally eventually reached out and, and got you here. So i um, pretty excited. You brought some of your kombucha and it is super delicious. And thank you so much for bringing it by. It will keep us hydrated throughout the show. Absolutely. So guys, if you hear these kind of slightly awkward pauses throughout it, we're just sipping on our kombucha here in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be happening. I'm trying to savor it as much as I can, because then after that's <laughs> gone, I have to jump to water, which isn't as fun. Not but, nearly as fun, but good for you. Yes. Still good. Yeah. Still good. So can you, or let's just start with like kombucha. We want to give people an overview. You'd mentioned before we started recording that people still don't have much of an idea. I mean, in general, like an idea of what kombucha is, what the benefits of it are, and maybe it's becoming more well-known now, but overall, like that education needs to increase is what you're saying, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I'm most passionate about is education and nutrition. Uh, I started Cultured Kombucha in 2015 we launched with three five-gallon batches, went to our first farmer's market, and we sold out in like 20 minutes flat. And so we knew there was a viable market for it, and there was people who understood what it was. Um, but then as we continued to grow our company, we realized just the incredible capacity we had to to extend our reach to other people. You know, there's just so many areas of the state or even, I mean, broader picture of the U.S., they have no idea what kombucha is. And so if we're going to get down to it, uh, kombucha in its most simple form is a fermented tea. But I think what surprises people the most is that it's a non-alcoholic option. So when you hear fermented in beverage, your mm -hmm. first thought is to go, oh, beer, wine, booze, right? right. No, we're the cooler version. We're non-alcoholic. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so when you think about kombucha, think of a ferment like yogurt or sauerkraut, kimchi, 
Um, so like the healthy probiotic benefits of that and all those delicious live cultures, but in a beverage. Yeah. And that's, that's what I think is cool is, um, that there's, it's starting to become more well-known, like how important people's microbiome and stuff like that is. And I'm excited. I want to almost like fast forward like 20 years and see like where all of this shakes out Yes, because like, I'm sure you're much more convinced than I am because you're immersed in it, you know, (laughs) daily. Yeah. But when they say like there's more bacteria in your body than there are cells, like, isn't that a statistic? It's mind blowing. Yeah. They're they're referring to your, your gut or your microbiome as your second brain. And truthfully, it should probably be your equal brain or your first brain. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, you have more cells down there and more bacteria going on um, than you do anywhere else in your body. That's crazy. Yeah. And it's our job as as humans to make sure we're repopulating that, right? So your microbiome has this capacity to shift and fluctuate, just like the rest of your human body does. Um, You know, your environment... You could have cleaning chemicals or things floating in your air that could alter your microbiome. Your stress levels are huge for the health of your microbiome. Okay, I did not know that part. Yeah, the more stressed you are, you you actually kill the beneficial bacteria. Wow, okay. Uh, Obviously, your eating choices, right? You know, if you're eating live food, fresh, dirty food from the farm, that's going to be a heck of a lot better than... A Twinkie, dare I say it, or something out of the deep fryer. Uh, And then medications that we take, too. So often nowadays we think, sure, you know, knock your gut out with an antibiotic, that's fine. Uh, But there's also other medications that affect it. Anti-inflammatories, so like your ibuprofen and your Advil, they wreck your microbiome, too. Antidepressants affect it, birth control affects it. And so the things that we can do to make sure that we maintain that balance and maintain our our equal brain, as I like to refer to your microbiome as, is by making sure we're incorporating living foods into our diet. And kombucha mm-hmm. is one of those. Yeah. So, you know, if you're eating sauerkraut, yogurt, kefir, kombucha on a regular basis, you're actually repopulating your body with the good bacteria and allowing your body to kind of uh, balance itself. Okay. How many years do you think it has been since, like, we've really started messing as humans, like maybe mm-hmm. more Americanized? like messing with our microbiome. So really depleting it Mm. at a crazy level. Do you think, has it been like since refrigeration or since we've started putting crazy chemicals into our foods? That's a really good question. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's like 50 years or more or less. I would probably ask for a little bit more of a definition in terms of like where we would quantify it at. I think we saw the effects in different areas at different times. Okay. So I think we saw it first in the way we were shaped as humans. I think that the American diet has definitely affected us in our microbiome. And we've seen that in glorified fast food and beer bellies, mm-hmm. yeah. first and foremost. Um, I think we're seeing it nowadays in the mental health side of things. Hmm. I think we're at a point in our society where we're acknowledging mental health with the um, attention it deserves. And we're also noting that there's a connection between our gut and our mind, and we're able to actually nourish it and take care of it nowadays uh, with science to back it up. Yeah. I think we're in an incredible age where we didn't have access to the scientific data that we did before. And some people can't believe things without justification. Mm-hmm. And now we have the means to give it to them and say, hey, you got to take care of yourself. Right. That's super fascinating. I mean, maybe we're getting into the weeds, but like how they think that there's that connection between like our microbiome and our mental health like that. I think 
that's really hard for people to wrap their head around. Absolutely. Yeah. No, let's get into the weeds because I'm a total yeah. nerd. So <laughs> I can go there for days. Yeah. Um, so especially for uh, men and women in the sense that our hormone system is actually based in our gut. So a lot of our receptors to release hormones are based in our gut. Um, and so that's a large sway. Hormones, a lot of people just think of women. We actually have them for many different functions in our body. Um, and so they can control different growth levels within your body. You know, anything from your hair to your nails to other areas of your body, your hormones affect it. Which are hormones also affect your mental health. Your immune system lies within your gut as well. So this time of year when we're all kind of like, oh, let's hunker mm -hmm. down and eat potatoes. <laughs> we should actually be eating a lot of sauerkraut, yogurt, and kombucha okay. to make sure we're building that immunity up so that if a foreign invader wanted to enter our body, it wouldn't be able to, oh. or we'd be able to fight it off adequately. Right on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're like taking these cues from our body. We're seeking like comfort food almost mm -hmm. in the winter as a way to, I don't know, stay warmer or something, or is it just more high calorie dense foods that our body tends to want? But it doesn't protect against sickness as much? So our bodies are have been triggered, or I should say we have been designed by nature to be triggered by things that are most calorically dense from our hunter-gatherer days. So when we had to rely on things like fight or flight versus sitting with the feelings and meditating through them like we mm -hmm. do nowadays, uh, or when we had to deal with cortisol being released from our body as a hormone, um, or when we had to scavenge for food, our body was trained to find the things that the, were the most nutrient dense, the most fat dense, and the most salt dense. Okay. Sugar was an off taste that I believe we developed later on. Mm -hmm. um, that was kind of like a drunk monkey finding a piece of fruit, yeah. if you will. Right. <laughs> um, and so when we were hunting and gathering, we wanted to eat, as gross as it is, um, the organs of an animal first because right. they were the most nutrient dense. Mm -hmm. And they would leave the muscles behind. We wanted to eat the fat from the nuts um, because they would give us the highest caloric intake and somehow our bodies knew that right off the bat. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. It reminds me of what I had heard. Um, what is it called? When is it scurvy that you would people would get when they were out at sea for a long time? Vitamin C deficiency. Yeah. yeah. And so there were all these like uh, officers on those ships. So if it were like military ships or whatever the officers would always want the finest cuts of whatever they got. Or even if they had killed a seal or a whale or whatever, they wanted the meat. Yes. And then the organs were left for, you know, the lower level employees on the boat. Mm -hmm. And then they found that, yeah, like the officers had major health issues because they weren't getting those vitamins. Yeah. It's and a really weird concept, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And now nobody, like, that stuff freaks us out. Yeah. To like eat that kind of stuff. Thrown away first. And right. I'll be the first to admit that. I choose not to eat animals, but, um, you know, if you are going to, it's the only, it's really ethical and sustainable to make sure you're eating it all right. and harvesting it all. Yeah. And if you're going to do it, get the nutrients, you know, do yeah. your body some good. Yep. I think that that's a good practice. It's just funny how far we've come. And then even if you like with Halloween candy, it's almost like we tap back into those primitive ways of just needing <laughs> to like eat all of the because when the calories are there you want to eat them you don't Gorge know if they're going to be yeah. there yeah are they going to be there tomorrow like you don't know right except we do and we, we still technically treat it. do know right. but instinct we're like nope i'm gonna yeah. eat all that candy yep because yep. it's not going to be there tomorrow and who knows how long it'll be till i can eat next and that's been the one thing so i practice a lot of fasting and it's just like i can go back and forth with people on whether that's like the most effective way to lose weight or if smaller meals is more effective or whatever 
But the number one thing, and I can't really discredit what anybody else thinks, but the number one thing that it's done for me is just like you said, gives me control over my body a little bit. And I just feel so much better because most people, if you're eating like an American style diet, your body is telling you that it's starving after like three hours. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And I don't get like that. I can go like 12, 15 hours, sometimes 20 hours without eating. And it just feels good for me to have some type of control over that. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of the I, I see two really strong benefits in fasting. Um, whether you do, you know, a 24-hour fast or if you just do it in eight-hour segments, whatever yeah. you're, you choose to do for your diet. Um, the first one is the, the neuroplasticity that comes from it, your ability to control those cravings, right? Mm-hmm. You're honing your mind, you're sharpening your mind, you're allowing yourself to come back into control of, of your food habits and your dietary habits. Because a lot of what we battle is mental. Mm-hmm. The second part is actually the detox for your organs from fasting. So when your organs, when you're eating every three hours because you're getting cravings, you're actually putting your organs to work mm-hmm. the entire day. Yeah. And our lovely little organs that keep us going all day long are actually not meant to kind of work that hard mm-hmm. and go all day long. So by fasting, you're giving them an intermittent reason to relax, mm-hmm. to detox, to take a break. And by doing that, they function much more effectively the next time you eat. Yeah. They're ready to jump back in and metabolize um, mm-hmm. and use those nutrients as effectively as possible. Right. Yeah, I mean, especially like just because I played sports and I come from a really athletic family, like sometimes weight gain for a specific sport was what was taking place. And you just tend to feel miserable because you're just... Was it wrestling? It was not wrestling, but it was just we're skinny guys and we're trying to play (laughs) basketball or football or whatever it is. And it was... No, wrestling, I think, has some serious issues in terms of... Oh, body dysmorphia all over. Dropping weight, gaining intense amounts of weight sweating it out Mm-mm. and not like actually losing the weight just losing the you know uh your cell hydration yeah the hydration yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's crazy no we never we never went that far but um i just like i've been there before where it's like okay basketball season's coming up i need to just start eating and eating and eating because mm-hmm. then you're going through a period of you know however long the season is where you're practicing two three hours a day running then you have the games so you are going to just naturally like lose a lot of body composition throughout the course of the season. Definitely. But you're miserable when you're yep. trying to eat like more than what your body is even requiring. It just feels bad. Yeah, you can definitely find a way to leverage um, your calorie intake in ways that your body can eat higher calories and, and gain muscle mass or gain weight, whatever you're trying to do. But you don't have to stuff yourself, mm-hmm. you know, Um there's just so many ways that you can structure it with just a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of education and a little getting to know yourself. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's such it's such an American practice to do that for sure. Yeah, definitely. And it's usually like 17 year old kids whose coach are telling him probably like, has hey, no background yeah, in it. You yeah. need to gain 10 pounds by next year. It's what his coach told him when he was in high school. Exactly. Right. And and then it's like okay, but how? And the coach doesn't know that. They yeah. just want the player to be bigger by next year and. Yeah. And so everybody just ends up miserable. And that person usually doesn't gain the 10 pounds. Yeah. I mean, it's just like dietetics that they're teaching right now. A lot of it's still stuck in 1980 and it's taught by the government food pyramid. Right. You know, and you would you would hope and think that we would be past views like that and understanding that with all these chronic diseases that are coming out in terms of food and all of these um, alternatives that the market is demanding, whether it be nut milk or dairy free cheeses or vegan alternatives, um, that we would have a little more credit towards a shifting perspective in our nutritional needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that we are shifting that way. 
But what's difficult about it, and I'm not trying to bash doctors, but uh, they don't have the understanding of like, you know, when they meet with someone, they can kind of, they can suggest like, hey, you need to lose a certain amount of weight or get your blood pressure under control or your cholesterol under control. But they can't always tell the person in detail, like the most effective way of doing that or even be able to answer dietary questions. So I guess what would you recommend someone do with that? Or do our doctors need like a little bit better education without trying to call them out too much? Yeah, that's a good question. There's a lot on their plate already, but Uh, totally. Yeah. And as much as I would love to rip into the medical industry and the pharmaceutical industry, you know, they're there for a reason and modern medicine exists for a reason. And you know, there's such a slippery slope of going down the anti-vax route and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that modern medicine has a place in time. Mm-hmm. I think doctors are educated and they have a higher level of education than most do. I think we as as humans have stopped tuning into ourselves. And our first inclination, instead of trying to say, okay, what does my body need right now? Um, you know, instead of doing that, we're already asking Google or Siri to make us an appointment with our our doctor tomorrow morning mm-hmm. to get a pill for it, right? And we have so many healing tools at our access points um, that there, most of the time there's not a need for it if you're willing to put the work in. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the times we're not willing to put the work in to heal ourselves. Right. And so that is kind of where my perspective would come in on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You and- know, a lot of people will say like, uh, it was at the, the Food Farms and Health Conference up here a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a summit on brain health. And he said a lot of people will come to him, uh, this was Dr. Dr. Ramsey, with complaints of anxiety. Mm-hmm. He'll be like, okay, well, you know, log your diet for me for the next 24 hours and bring it in. He goes, oh, well, you have an anxiety attack at 2 o'clock in the afternoon every day? Mm. It looks like you skip breakfast and then you have a carb-heavy lunch. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Right. <laughs> You're having nothing and then a sugar spike. Mm-hmm. But what do you think happens when your body experiences that, right? It goes into a, an anxiety mode. Yeah. So there's just so many perspectives you can take on it. Right. Yeah. And I think why people maybe aren't proactive in that is that <clears throat> those are seen as like preventative approaches. And mm-hmm. yeah, with like westernized medicine, we're not so good at preventative No, it medicine. takes work. Yeah. And if it does work... You never know it works. That's like what always frustrates me is it's like if it's preventative and I did it, how do I know it actually works? You don't worked? know what you got yeah. till it's gone. Right, exactly. Yep, and just. so <laughs> it's like, did I really prevent that cold totally. by eating better? I don't know. You'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think that's how a lot of people think. It's kind of, it's funny because we see that with our customers too. Uh, we'll see a customer for a couple of weeks in a row getting their growlers filled at the tasting room. And then you know, it'll be a couple of weeks and we'll be like, oh, I wonder where that customer went. And they'll come back and they'll be like, I didn't realize how much I needed this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. It's something that you don't realize how much you crave until you don't have it. And I think a lot of our body functions off of cravings from from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. For sure. So you were at a, what was that conference? It was the Food Farms and Health Conference. Okay. And it like talks about food sources and then how that impacts our health and things like that. Yeah. So it was a really interesting way to kind of bring that topic full circle for us. It was an opportunity for doctors to be trained on uh, food-based medicine. Okay. So it was all of, uh, doctors from all over the U.S. came in and they sat through farming workshops. They sat through cooking demos with the local culinary school. They sat through um, fermentation workshops. We got to brew a batch of kombucha with them. They sat through um, sourcing classes. Mm -hmm. And then there was also some on just 
just general practices like eating for your brain, eating for your gut, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so it was definitely uh, a more holistic approach than most were used to. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's super important. And like, so I work for the Alzheimer's Association and I think like we can only spread the information that has been super backed by research, Yep. but it doesn't mean that there's not validity to some of those kind of more outside um, areas that are being studied or maybe will be studied in the future. Right. But yeah, I think like holistic health or things like your diet and seeing how it actually impacts things like brain health are things that we don't have enough information on yet, but I don't like, you can't say that it's doing any bad or studies come and go and they shift every five years. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you ask me, I'm not actually allowed to give defined medical advice on kombucha. Mm -hmm. I can tell you what studies have shown that it does or what customers have told me it does, but I can't give you direct medical advice because I am not a doctor Mm -hmm. and I am not an FDA study. The FDA will tell you that you can only drink four ounces of kombucha at Mm -hmm. a time, but that, you know, drinking um, a two liter of Coke a day is just fine. So I think a lot of it is um, regulation based. A lot of it is based off of political positioning. Um, But there's a lot of opportunity for us in this generation to shift that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there is. um, I don't know what generation you're part of. I'm a millennial and I'll take any chance I get to. I'm yeah. right on the edge of it. Are you? I'm going to flip that perspective so hard. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and there's one thing I do in life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I'm like, so I, I take every chance I can to like prop up millennials. Yeah. Um, but I think that, yeah, we'll be the ones leading the charge on some of that stuff because we're, we're seeing, you know, whether it's our parents, our grandparents, the health issues that they're having, you know, maybe from being some of the first generations Terrifying to, yeah, to benefit from the microwave or yeah. those processed foods. And it's hard. It's hard to like get to the bottom of all that and to change from, yeah. from that. A lot of that stems directly back to the Reagan administration. Um, that's when a lot of the food subsidies occurred mm-hmm. and the, the heavily processed foods, the corn, the soy, the wheat, um, the genetically modified organisms um, were then put into practice later on. Uh, you know, all these practices were used to grow yield and increase quantity so that mass mouths essentially could be mm-hmm. fed um, without understanding the further justifications. And on top of those mass quantities being made, processed foods were made because of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of when the, our generation of grandparents shifted from, you know, home baking to buying Twinkies or yep. instead of warming things up in the stovetop or the oven that's when the microwave came to play. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these modern inventions that made our life easier also came to play at the same time that these processed foods were coming to play as well. Yeah, so there's so, probably some overlap. Total overlap, total industry play, total synchronicities in that mm-hmm. sense, for yeah. sure. And yeah, like it's the mass production because we have so many people to feed, mm-hmm. but you're also, people are getting a taste for oranges in the in the winter tomatoes in the winter and so they're having to bring those up from down south and it's like yeah they're gonna rot so they do all these crazy things to them right and it's 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 so selfish because in my head i'm like but i want an orange and i want an orange when i like i want it you know what i mean and and we're so lucky to have that perspective Mm -hmm. um but they think about it you know that's such a luxury that we have that no one's had before Mm -hmm. oh definitely and people still don't have it and and here we are with the privilege to have it you know Mm -hmm. and to honor that yeah, definitely. So my wife and I did our first uh, crop share this year and like she just made some carrot soup and I'm like 
I told her, I was like, this is amazing. But three years ago, you, you would have never convinced me I would have yeah. ate a soup that was like just mashed up carrots, carrots or whatever. Or yeah. 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 But like just the fact that we know where it's from, it's fresh and it's organic and all those things. It's like there's such a major difference in quality. Oh, you huge. You feel so much better. Yeah. And I think that's also part of why culture started going to farmer's markets. Um, who, did, who did you get your share from? Uh, yeah. Somewhere around here. A really cool farm around here. Yes. Yes, totally. Yeah, one absolutely. Of those. Yeah. So actually I started when I backtrack, one of the inspirations as to how cultured was started was a CSA farm that I had actually worked at. Okay. So at a culinary school, I was originally a pastry chef, ironically. Oh. Uh, so I can make candy, but I can also make really healthy food too. Right. Yeah. Balance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I, I graduated and I worked at a, a bakery called Nine Bean Rose. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's what's in our... Perfect. Yeah. Is like, it my farms? My... My farm co-op? Maybe something like that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, and I got to make these just like absolutely epic croissants. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the best croissants on this continent in my humble yeah. opinion still. And uh, I would volunteer on their CSA farm in exchange for some extra hours here and there. And as employees, they gifted us with a share. Okay. And so I'd get the, all this nutritious produce and I'd take it home. And um, I, I just, I had this realization that like, I knew how to cook the food and I knew what it did when it, I ate it and I had the experience of growing it and, and then I'd get to see it go to a farmer's market later on, right? And that was such a cool circle for me to see, just, um, you know, seeing a full cycle of this food being generated and then cooked and eaten and, and understanding how it affected my body. But most people don't know that. Right. You don't have any comprehension of, like, I would challenge how many people know that a Brussels sprout, uh, Brussels sprout goes on a stock. I, I eat Brussels sprouts all the Did time. Did you have any and I, No, I went <laughs> and it kind of freaked me out because I right. saw it at my uh, brother and sister-in-law's and I was like, what is that? Because yeah, it's what like- What is this a, alien being yeah, in my fridge? Weird. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Like people don't have, they don't have that connection to their yeah. food. And if you don't even know what your food looks like or cow equals hamburger, like- how are you supposed to know how it affects your body? Mm-hmm. You could not have a better saying of you are what you eat. Like everything that you eat is metabolized and turned into cells or food for cells or it becomes who you are. And so why are we not more connected to how our body functions? Why are we not more in tune with what our body's telling us when we eat these foods? You know, if we eat something and our body doesn't like it, it tells us. If we eat something and it nourishes us, just like you had with that carrot soup, mm-hmm. you knew that it was good for you. Yeah. You knew that those carrots were wholesome and lovingly grown. And I'm sure there was probably just this exceptional richness to it because mm-hmm. those were fresh, sweet carrots that just came out of the ground versus yeah. ones that have literally had the opportunity to sit in a store for over a year. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Apples and carrots can sit in a store cooler for over a year if held properly. No way. Way, way. And so think about the nutritional depletion that occurs over that year. Yeah. Like they're still there technically, but it's really just cellulose at that point when you get down to it. There's no nutritional value. Yeah. Um, I know I came home from culinary school and, um, and then I came home the next Thanksgiving after a year of dietetic school to be a dietitian. Mm-hmm. My mom was like, Courtney, you're such a buzzkill at yeah, these meals. I like, would think. 
but but it's things that people need to know and they need to understand. Um, and so I think that's kind of where my passion for helping people understand how food affects their body comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, why does that restaurant that sources things from a farm taste so much better? Why does this carrot soup make me feel so much better the next day? Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot to be learned from that. Yeah. No, definitely. Were, were you planning on working in a restaurant when you went to culinary school? Hmm. I did wedding cakes for a long time. Okay. I had my own wedding cake business before cultured. And then I went back to school to be a dietitian. Um, I knew that I wanted to get into, I loved chemistry. Okay. And I liked to be creative, but I liked things to be, I'm a planner mm-hmm. <laughs> big time. Um, so I liked things to be structured. And so Baking gave me the opportunity to play with flavors and be creative, but also have a structure behind it. Okay. Yeah, because I was going to say if you were going to work in the restaurant, like, because then there might have been that clash of like, you know, sometimes they're like, how long can we hang on to this ingredient? Depending on what type of restaurant. Yeah. You know, we got to, how long can we hang on to this? Oh, the fish is about to go bad. Put it on special. Like stuff like that. I'd never get a fish special. (laughs) That's like the worst case scenario. Yeah, I read Anthony Bourdain's book and he talked about that. I was like... That is good to know because I have gotten suckered book. into that type of stuff all the time. It's yeah. on special. It means it's special. It's, it's, <laughs> right? it's games. It means it's about it's to go special bad. qualities right? <laughs> over time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So you talk about like just people needing to learn to be in tune with their body and how they feel after they eat something. I mean, that's been like, you know, I mentioned even with fasting, but also just with other types of dieting. And, and by dieting, I mean like act, just watching what you're eating. So making sure that you're not eating a ton of processed foods or sugars. And yeah, it's been awesome to be able to have a deeper understanding of that and to know why I might feel like crap the next day after I ate too much ice cream. And that is my reaction to that sugar or how I'm metabolizing whatever I just ate. And a lot of people just think it's like, random They're like i don't feel good today yeah it's not as random as what you think it's not random at all or people just don't understand that they don't mm-hmm. feel good um i think my perspective over the last couple of years has just been like the fact that most people don't know what it feels like to feel good mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to think about but look at what the average person probably eats on a weekly basis they're eating a cereal for breakfast out of a box mm-hmm they're probably eating fast food a couple times a week. They're drinking sodas. They're probably underhydrated, so their organs are stressed. Um, also, when you are dehydrated, your anxiety levels go up. They're probably taking some aspirin here and there to, to numb their pain. Um, and so I can only imagine that their joints are so inflamed and they're not sleep- sleeping well and their stress levels are just so high that I, they don't know what it like. it's like to feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I truly hope that those people can experience at some point in their life what it feels like to have a body that feels like it's in a good place. Yeah, yeah. And that's done through growth as well. And it takes a lot of work. Um, I struggled with inflammation in my body a lot. I actually had an experience um, in culinary school, which is pretty common. I got carpal tunnel mm. in both hands. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it sucked. But carpal tunnel is common. And I worked through it, you know, went to a chiropractor, got a brace, ate an anti-inflammatory diet. And it was fine. Come and go. And then uh, about a year and a half into starting Cultured, maybe two years in, I actually lost feeling in both my arms. Wow. Like almost up to my shoulders. And it was from overuse, from bottling, 
but also from stress. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of things happening in my life at that time. Um, I had some relationship changes from when I started the business. Um, you know, we were going through an extremely fast growth curve. Um, we had some tanks go wrong in the middle of summer, and uh, and my body just kind of said, "Courtney, stop." Yeah. And so I. I couldn't feel my arms. I would go, I'd go put food in my mouth and I couldn't feel wow. like my hand was going. How did the food get there? Yeah. Right, totally. Or like, you know, I, I couldn't do yoga anymore. I couldn't do down dogs. Mm-hmm. I couldn't feel myself holding myself up. Wow. And so I really had to dive deep into personal practices um, through f- through food, but also through mental health and wellness of meditation and Reiki to find ways to tune into my body. Mm-hmm. And it's not something to be taken subtly. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time. And, and you have to be willing to put that into yourself. Mm-hmm. You really have to ask, like, are you worth investing into? Right. Um, what am I willing to invest into myself? How can I make myself better? And they're really subtle changes, but they can have huge impacts. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And that's the strange thing about the body is that if you, like, it, it'll, it will give you signals. Like, slow down. But Left it, and right. we ignore them. Mm-hmm. And so then what happens? Like, what happened with you? It shuts itself down, like, completely. Yep. And it's like, well, how, you know, I didn't see this coming. It's like, no, no it was <laughs> telling you at some point. Yeah, you just weren't listening to it. Yeah. And then that's when the crazy stuff happens. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, making sure we set that intention and that time aside to check in with ourselves on a daily basis. How am I feeling today? How is my mental health? Mm-hmm. Am I present? No. Cool. Go sit in the corner and meditate for 10 minutes. Right. Then come back. Yeah. You know, am I focused on the day ahead? Am I, am I tackling today with confidence? Do I feel like I'm prepared for what I'm going into? And then after you get through your mental health check, you know, how's my body doing? Is it hanging in there? Mm-hmm. Okay, if it's just hanging in there, what can I do to make it better than hanging in there? Yeah. You know, are my joints happy? Do I need to move? Do I need to stretch today? Um, do I need to go for a run and get some endorphins going? You know, what can I do to better take care of myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what, um, especially like if you're some type of, employee and you're at the whim of your supervisor or boss or manager or whoever, like most places don't care about you in that way. And so it has to be your responsibility. There's not going to be many managers that are going to be like, Hey, do you need to just kind of like take a couple hours and get some sun or, or (laughs) a nap or or eat a salad or whatever it is? It's like, that is our responsibility. So we can't, we can't keep pushing and pushing and pushing for other people without doing those like daily checks. I think it's super important. Yeah, I mean, as, as humans, when you get into the workforce like that, we're, we're selfish by nature. Um, you know, while we may think sporadically throughout the day to check in with others, it's not our inclination to, you know, shoot across the room and look at Jim Bob and be like, hey, Jim Bob, you feeling okay right now? Mm-hmm. How you doing on the line over there? Yeah, because you know? he'd look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> we're not used to that kind of uh, compassion. Yeah. And so, you know, as a business owner, I've, I think I've also or as an entrepreneur, um, employment has been one of the most challenging growth curves for me, for sure. You know, how do I stay in check with my employees and not stay on top of them? Mm-hmm. Or during high stress times, that like in Northern Michigan summer where our population like triples, yeah. you know, how do we make sure that even though we're operate, operating at a high frequency and sometimes a high stress environment, that we're all trying to stay sane. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Culture has employed a lot of triple bottom line business practices, and I think a lot of them are easily adaptable into other businesses as okay. well. 
what does triple bottom line mean? Hmm, that's a good question. Yeah, let's talk biz. Yeah, let's talk biz. <laughs> so triple bottom line is another way of looking at a business um, outside of just what is referred to as a single bottom line business. So a single bottom line business only looks at its financial bottom line. Okay. It's only looking at that net profit coming at the end of the year or its, or its final profit, if you will. Um, a triple bottom line business encompasses more than just that bottom line, that profit line. We are looking at our employees as human capital. You know, what are we doing to raise our human capital? Mm-hmm. Are we bettering them in the workforce? Are we adequately training them? Are they compensated fairly? Um, we give mental health days every year. You're allowed to call in instead of saying having to, to lie to me on the phone and say, hey, right. I'm sick. <laughs> you can say, hey, I'm sorry. Like, I just, I need today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also offer paid volunteer time. We're not to the point where we can provide benefits and mm-hmm. paid vacation time, but I can offer you a way to go out into the community and give back in that sense mm-hmm. and, and foster something there. So we, we invest in our human capital as well. We also invest into the environment or the ecosystem is another bottom line there. So you are looking also at your impact on your community. Um, how much waste am I generating? Is it being taken care of responsibly? Am I recycling where possible? Are my emissions as low as they could be? Um, you know, what impact is my business having on its community and its surroundings? Mm-hmm. So. That's really interesting. Um, so triple bottom line, and it was profit, human capital, so employees and how happy and, and successful they are. Yeah, definitely. And you'll see variances out there on, on what people will put in their triple bottom lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but it usually has to do with the environment the people in the community, and then the profitability of the business okay. as well. Yeah, I think that that's super interesting. It probably puts you in a good position because so many people now, again, thank you millennials, <laughs> are looking at how employees of companies are treated. Like you can look at like the, the recent founders thing. And so that's yeah. probably like, it's really caused some people to take a, a look at that and say, yeah, I am or I am not supporting that company any longer. Yep. But then also, um, you may increase your sales simply because someone chose you over a competitor because they heard that you're conscious of how you're treating the environment. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think we as (laughs) millennials, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, we command transparency Mm -hmm. and that's a different shift from the prior generation. The prior generation was processed food, packaged food, and large corporations. And now we have the opportunity to command this transparency. Um, you know, Patagonia, great example. Mm-hmm. You can see right through it. Um, you'll see this certification now. It's a certified B corporation. And so they'll go through and they'll actually, it's like an organic seal for business practices. Um, and so they'll verify that for you. And so we have this opportunity to be a shift, but also command it in a way that's reasonable on the business too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's always something, it's got to be super exciting because there's always something to work on. It's yeah. not just, and you're not so focused on just that Keeps bottom line. my brain line. going at night. Right, well, yeah, so that's the one good <laughs> and bad thing, right? Yeah. I get that. Um, but it's not just like this product that you're thinking, so you're thinking about your kombucha if you're a single bottom line, thinking about your product. And if that's all that you're concerned about is how much of that you're selling, you can only alter that product so much yeah. But here you can like attack your business from so many different angles. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, hiring in Northern Michigan is not always the easiest practice. Um, and so we've definitely had employees come and go, but we've had incredible employees along the way. 
And I think my job as an employer, it was put very delicate to me from a, a true friend. It's our job, because she's a small business owner as well, to, to spin them onward and upward. Mm-hmm. You know, use their time with you to grow them. Because not only are they growing for your business, but they're growing for the, on to their next adventure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we need to make sure that they're moving onward and upward versus, um, you know, horizontally yeah. throughout a structure. You know, I really, I wouldn't hire someone if I didn't want them to succeed. It'd right. be a waste of my time, right? And so a lot of people see employers as selfish or... Um, challenging, but I truly wouldn't bring someone into my organization if I didn't want to see them thrive. Mm-hmm. And so I think, yes, we have this awesome opportunity to foster a different employment culture as our businesses continue to grow and shift mm-hmm. in the next generation. Yeah, it was like, so I had uh, my first job out of college. I had to take it because I was getting married mm-hmm. that summer and I was going to get like three months of work in before we got married. And in my 23-year-old, 24, 23, 24-year-old mm-hmm. mind, I was like, three months is, yeah, like, I'll be able to collect a ton of cash for a new marriage. And <laughs> okay. that was not the case. But so I took this super low-paying job because it was the first one I could get. And I was only there maybe six or seven months. But I consider myself pretty loyal. Mm-hmm. And I felt terrible, like, the night before having to go have that conversation to tell him I was leaving. Yeah. And it went so well because my supervisor was you know, had a very similar mindset to that where she was, she was like, Taylor, we're going to miss you. But like, we hope that your time here, like led you to greater success. That's what we expect because we understand we couldn't pay you the money that you needed. So we're excited to see you move on. And I was like, that felt like, Oh, just a weight off my chest. Absolutely. But it's such, it's an approach that I think needs to be more common. I've never had an employee not come to me nervous with that conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it's, it's an easy conversation and sometimes it's a little more challenging. Um, but it's, you know, it's our job to make sure that we're setting you guys up for success long term. Right. And I think if we can go into it as employers, knowing that employment is a season for most people, it's a much easier perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that my first one or two employees, I probably took it pretty personally. I was like, oh, why are they leaving me? Like, this is my baby. Why would you leave it? <laughs> um And then, you know, people come and go and also the needs of the business shift too Mm -hmm. and people's needs shift and we kind of just have to honor that and let it be what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for what you've done in your service and, you know, best wishes and continued success. Right. Yeah. You'd mentioned something that resonated where it was like some of those conversations where you're like, oh, well, why would they leave? Like, this is so important, but there's different levels of like involvement within that. So you're obviously at the head of that. I had blinders on. Yeah. So have you gotten past that, like projecting how important this project is onto other people? Cause I do that with mine, like this, this operation. I'm like, man, I can't believe, yeah, I can't believe that they haven't, didn't listen to the last episode. Are you kidding me? Like (laughs) this is, this is this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes and no. I think in some ways I've gotten better in some ways I've probably gotten worse. Um, I don't have kids. I have a business, mm-hmm. right? Like I got out of college and I took a job that I knew I didn't agree with. Same to you. Um, I worked out of, um, studying to be a dietitian and then switching to entrepreneurship. Um, I got a job as a food and beverage director as a for- from a fortune 50 company. And I knew deep down, so deep down that I did not agree with that company, but I mm-hmm. took it anyways. And, um, and so I've had that painfully honest conversation when I left. I was like, I'm sorry, I just, 
I can't work with the ethos that this environment has anymore. Um, I appreciate the learning opportunity, but it's time for me to leave and do my own thing. And then I left to start cultured and then I hired my first employer and they're like, Hey, <laughs> summer season's over. Uh, we're going to go get a job somewhere else. All right. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I had blinders on the whole time. Um, and I think that I have, the blinders were a level of taking it personally because it was my baby. And I think as I have grown in my business, I have had to learn to not take things so personally, mm-hmm. which is hard. Yeah. Super hard. It's like someone, first time someone's like, oh, I don't like that. Whereas sometimes, you know, the first person that says, oh, that podcast was lame. You're like, mm-hmm. no, it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and I think you grow accustomed over time to people having different perspectives and different mm-hmm. tastes. Yeah. And you learn to take things a little less personally each time. And so there's other, there's certain areas of the business where I still probably take things personally. Um, in certain areas that I have learned to let go of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because not everybody has the deep understanding that you do of like, they don't have, they're not in your head. They don't see the progression that you see. They don't see the work that's been the soul of the person that has to be in my head. Right. Wouldn't that be scary? (laughs) I know. I don't wish that on anybody for myself either. Yeah. My wife is close enough to the situation and I know that's difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, well the, I think the nuts and bolts of it is that no one is going to have the same passion towards it that we do. You know, they haven't set up the infrastructure. They haven't put in the overnight work. They haven't made that first sale or launched that first podcast for Mm -hmm. the world to hear that vulnerable side of us, you know? And so by putting ourselves out there in that very vulnerable position of setting ourselves up to fail or be successful um, or any round of in-between puts us in a different perspective where they're they're just never going to totally understand it yeah yeah and that that gets super tiring i mean you get tired it's lonely at the top man right oh yeah it's the like top. the cheesy line that goes <laughs> right. for it right <laughs> yep. yeah totally no uh yeah it's a weird sensation for sure yeah yeah i'm trying i'm still trying to maneuver around all that too because like you said sometimes you have blinders on you're projecting what you know and think that other people should know or that they do know what you know and um, <laughs> yeah. it's that's like the weird one for me where I'm just like Why I'm big into personal development and I'm like, gosh, I'm learning so much about myself and about how to treat other people. And then you come across someone who hasn't quite figured out how to treat themselves or other people. Like, and you really wait, wanna... I thought you knew what I knew. Right. It's weird. Yeah. And then you hope that they grow. And right. Yeah. 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 The amount of times that I've probably walked in in the mornings that looked at my employees and been like, why didn't you know that? Mm-hmm. And they're like, cause you never told me. I'm like, Oh, you're right. Yeah. I get it now. You weren't in my head. Yes. For sure. That all the time. Yeah. I guess I do that to my wife quite a bit too, where I'll be like in the same room and I almost thought I was talking to her <laughs> and like told her that I have, you know, a podcast yeah. interview tonight or whatever it is. And she's like, you never told me that. I'm like, don't you I hear me telepathically? I, yeah, I know. I think I, no, but I thought it. And Didn't I thought, those blank stares <laughs> convey something to you? <laughs> right. It feels like that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird. Um, and to be the decision makers too, I think in those situations can be a point of personal growth and challenge as well. Mm-hmm. Being the one who has to execute that or, or make the decision um, can be challenging because it's affecting other people in both of our situations, you know? And so knowing that when you're the singular person making that decision, um, that can get pretty lonely as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. 
Uh, I want to jump back to inflammation. Yeah, quick. <laughs> sure. So, yeah. So we, we went down the, the business uh, lane for a while, which I definitely wanted to get into. So that that's really fascinating to me, too, is just how people start things and what their thought process is or, or how they operate within their business and their baby and their entrepreneurial. The yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but inflammation is super interesting to me because I think a lot of people have inflammation of some kind, like, you know, because it's so dependent on the type of stuff that you're putting in your body. But for our work, we're finding a lot, like I'm not a scientist, I'm not doing the research, but um, they're finding that there's some major connections between inflammation and brain health. And I've always thought that that was really fascinating. Yeah. And I think we'll see more of more of that coming to the forefront and becoming common knowledge, I hope at least. But can you speak on like inflammation at all and, and like what your approach was to defeat some of that? Yeah, sure. So I think I, I dabbled in a lot of different areas. Um, and so I dabbled in food and beverage. I dabbled in energy work and I dabbled in kind of the mental health side of things. Um, so our bodies has a lot of triggers, obviously. And that's what sends our red flags up and tells us to calm down, sit down. You know, I was going to say profanity and then I Mm -hmm. bit my tongue. It's all good. Yeah. I only limit it to like 15 per episode. So you're good. I think you have time. Are you sure? Yeah. I can spit them off really fast. All right, go ahead. Cool. (laughs) Uh, So when it came to food and beverage, um, that's when I chose to adopt a vegetarian lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, I found that meat was highly inflammatory on my joints and my body had a hard time digesting it. Mm -hmm. Um, That's not the case for everyone though. And then I also found that dairy was a huge culprit for my inflammation. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more that I love than to sit down with a big fat wheel of cheese oh, okay. and some crackers and a bottle of wine and just enjoy it. And I couldn't do that for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so cutting dairy out of my life for that uh, year or two was also very beneficial. Um, that was when I noticed the largest shift in my body bodily inflammation in regards to my joints. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did an entire repopulation on my microbiome. I mean, I obviously had a lot of kombucha. Um, is that something you were able to track or did you like, you just felt like that's what was taking place because you never paid attention to it prior? I could track the way my body felt and the symptoms. Okay. Um, I don't have anything, any studies per right. se. Because they can track like the level of someone's microbiome, right? And how much bacteria is in there. Kind of. They can tell you um, a bacterial count and then if you really want them to do a plate count, they can separate it into different types of bacteria. Okay. It's a pretty intensive right. process though. Um, so I, it takes up to six months to repopulate the human microbiome (laughs) successfully. And so I incorporated all different types of fermented food into my diet. Every single meal had something fermented, kimchi, Mm -hmm. sauerkraut. I I still eat so much sauerkraut. Um, I don't know if my team enjoys it when I open up a big old bag of it at lunch, but I do it anyways. And so that was kind of my journey with the food side of things. I also decreased my grain count quite a bit I got rid of all the processed flowers and and items that didn't need to be there in that sense if I had grain it was only whole grains um quinoa farro pearled barley things that I truly had to cook down and I got rid of sugar Mm -hmm. that was hard oh it's hard so hard uh and I definitely still eat some sugar but I 
the only sugars I had in my house were honey and maple syrup, mm-hmm. and they were used in very small quantities. Yeah. So, well, mm. that's yeah, that's a super in-depth approach, and I think it almost sounds like doable. If I think if mm-hmm. people were were listening, it is doable, obviously, but there might be people listening to that which are like, well, that doesn't seem that hard. Like you can still eat a lot of delicious stuff, and it's like, no, we're talking about cutting out sugar. You don't and understand. That, yeah, you don't know yeah. what that means. Your body's about to yell at you for like yes. a week when you do that. Yeah, you that's what I've heard. You. Like, because I've never done that. Mm-hmm. But I've heard that, like, there was a... Per, Michael Jordan's personal trainer wrote a book. And so anybody that he certifies to work at his gym, he has them go through, like, whatever that would be considered, like a detox or something. And he has them list out, like, everything that they eat and says, okay, you're cutting all sugar for... Like, I think it's only like seven days or something, seven to 10 days. Yeah, it's plenty. Yeah. And people are miserable, like beyond Mm -hmm. miserable, almost like they're coming off drugs or something. Yeah, you do. You feel like you're going through a drug detox. Um, I mean, white sugar and white bread can have the same effect on your bloodstream as cocaine does. Wow. Yeah. To put it in perspective. And it's almost like a legal drug. You know, you can use it to manipulate people through their body and their mind. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's incredibly important to tune into that and know what you're consuming. Sugar is not always a bad guy, but you have to know where it's at. Mm-hmm. It, it's hidden so well nowadays. It's in peanut butter. Why does peanut butter right. need sugar? Mm-hmm. It's in ketchup. You know, why does your ketchup need sugar? It's meant to taste like tomatoes, not a sugared, mm-hmm. like tomatoes and sugar. That just doesn't sound good. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird concept. Um, you know, and it's diagnosed, it's disguised under different names too. So I think it's an incredibly doable approach, but you have to be willing to research mm-hmm. and gain a greater understanding, which takes time. And then you also have to be willing to cook for yourself. And so many people don't know how to cook anymore. All right. It amazes me how many people can burn water. Mm-hmm. It's just, it floors me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that is a big one because we still live in the time of convenience you can get anything that you want really at any point i mean now you get groceries delivered from amazon but even then it's like if you're getting those delivered i guess you're cooking sometimes but or does it go to the the goodwill drawer at the bottom of your fridge that you had really great intentions for yes oh yeah yeah. there's there's that vegetable crisper or whatever the is it a vegetable crisper that thing where things go to die in your fridge yeah, yeah, is that yeah, what totally. that drawer is yes. called? Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it called a crisper? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Okay, I can't believe I just said crisper. I'm proud of you for recalling that off the top of your head. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I there's so many times I dip in there and I'm like, okay, this is all juicy and rotten now because oh, I, I forgot, forgot I brought that it. two weeks yep. ago. Yeah, yep. but yeah, I mean, you also get such a better relationship with your food if you cook it, and especially if you know how to cook it well, because then you actually like what you ate. Yeah, you get a sense of gratitude towards it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think it's worth investing into just from a knowledge perspective of how to cook your food. It, it, it really just, it skipped a generation. I think it skipped what would be our parents' generation in terms of the ability to teach that. Mm-hmm. I think our grandparents had the ability to teach our parents, but it was really within our parents' generation that convenience had its max point. Yeah. And probably in our childhood. Like when I look at what I ate as a child, I love you, Mother Daily. Um, and she made us some great food, and we had a garden. But I ate a lot of shit. All right. Like a lot of really shitty food, too. Yep. I mean, I remember 
crawling into the pantry and grabbing Nesquik and taking like three quarters of a cup of Nesquik and maybe like two tablespoons of milk and just eating like the sludge. Yes, it's so good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It was great. Um, (laughs) Probably not a staple in a child's diet, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that that was going to be one of the things I wanted to ask is like, or just get your take on is the children's diet. So I don't really, I don't want to pretend like I know what kids are eating at school now, but uh, for me, I never felt satiated when I was in school. That was 10 years ago, nine, 11 years ago when I was a senior in high school. I just remember being hungry all the time and I was getting multiple servings, never right. stuck. But also when you think of like little kids running around at a birthday party, so there's like a five or six year old yeah. with like a Coke and then a slice of cake. I can't imagine like the havoc that that Ooh. amount of sugar is wreaking on like a little tiny body. God, it makes me like yeah, it happens, anxiety yeah, it's <laughs> thinking crazy. about it, just seeing them running around in my head. Uh, yeah, you know that is a topic that just touches on so many levels. Um, one thing to bring attention to would be the ten cents a meal program, which was just cut, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that gave our schools ten cents a meal to invest into purchasing local healthy foods for offerings at the lunch counter and that was um not allowed to go through the budget for the next um next year so that was incredibly sad um our school systems lack nutrition i take that back schools can only cook meals according to a certain structured program as released by the government Mm -hmm. each meal has to hurt hit a certain number of what could probably be referred to as macro Mm-hmm. levels so your basic carbohydrates basic proteins basic fats right do you know what they consider a good ratio of each of those i don't off the top of my head because they have different classifications for different like it's classified by the way they purchase their food okay i believe um i'd have to look greater into the details it's it's been a hot second Mm-hmm. What uh, do you know? I mean, what do you consider a good ratio percentage wise, like for each of those or if you could yeah. for yourself? Um, I prefer high protein, high fat mm-hmm. diets. Me too. Yep. I think those are where my body is most comfortable. I love carbs. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like my body does not love them, but mm-hmm. I love them. Um, but I thrive off of a high protein and high fat diet. Okay. Yep. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I live too, for the most part. Although, I mean, vegetables have, you know, carbs if you're getting down to it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you have to look at the source of those carbs. So we're not talking like... Slow carbs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the things that that are healthier for us. And most people are going to be able to like digest, you know, rices and potatoes and stuff like that, I mm-hmm. think, for the most part. But yeah, yeah high fat, high protein. That, and and you a can lot still of that is like totally... Within that. Yeah. As an adult, our needs are different than when we're a child. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you have these delicate little minds that need to be nourished more than anything. I mean, their bodies are changing so rapidly. Um, I can't think of anything that deserves to be taken care of more. Really. Your organs are developing, your organs are shifting, your your endocrine systems being developed and your your hormones are changing, your your growth and your bone structure is shifting. Like that's when you need the support the most. Mm hmm. And so to see our school food system to shift towards these incredibly processed foods where pizza counts as a vegetable, right. <laughs> like, oh, it's just unrealistic. Yeah, that's crazy. It's not sustainable. You're setting America up for failure in terms of its obesity rates and and you're creating a long-term chain of 
of health problems mm-hmm. to go through another generation. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a lot to dig into because like I know for work, I share information with people that says things like uh, diabetes in early life can lead to a greater risk statistically of something like Alzheimer's. But then you don't know, like, was that diabetes developed through, you know, a poor diet? And does that person also have super high amounts of inflammation? Mm -hmm. And was that not accounted for when they say that there's a connection between diabetes and Alzheimer's? And so you're having to, like, break it all down. I think you just need to play it safe and eat good stuff. Absolutely. You know, take care. Yeah. Take care of your body first and then allow those studies to come into play. Mm -hmm. Right. Because most of the time those studies probably won't come into play if you're truly nourishing yourself. Yeah. Um, And then even further into that, you can get into, you know, if you have diabetes, you have a greater chance of Alzheimer's. Well, in what percentage of diabetes patients do you get Alzheimer's and and what is their um, their ethnicity Mm -hmm. or what area did they live in? Were they in a food desert? Did they have access to nutritional Mm -hmm. um, nutritionally dense food? And I think when we talk about school systems and um, disease prevention for later on in life, nutrition density is a huge factor in it. Our school, like you said, you, you're getting hungry within, what, an hour or two mm-hmm. after lunch? And well, it's because you're eating a bunch of empty carbs. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to look at the nutrient density of the food that you're putting into your body. Um, but we're just trying to feed mouths. Yeah. And so that's the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to eat 100 calories of something, I want it to be the most beneficial 100 calories that I can get for that calorie count versus 100 calories of just simple carbohydrates. You know, if I'm going to eat 100 calories, I want it to be packed with grams of protein and grams of, of, of fats that are going to support my body through its next workout or its next growth phase um, versus a carbohydrate that's going to give me a really quick, short source of energy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's the, the one thing that I think people should try to get more of a handle on And as I explored it, so when I worked, I don't work in an office as much now, but when I did, those struggles were real of someone brought donuts to stay, someone, you know, the secretary has the the bowl of candy or whatever. And so if you would have asked me like, Taylor, you know, what, what did you eat yesterday? And I would be able to list out the three meals that I had. Now I'm down to like two meals a day, but the three meals would have been super easy and then if that person had any knowledge of what i actually ate they would have been like dude you didn't even bother to tell me about the two donuts and the handful of candy and that's like a thousand calories Mm -hmm. that you had absolutely and there's so many people out there that they just like they think because they didn't remember that they ate it that it's not leading to weight gain or whatever yeah that's the slippery slope too where you actually have to document what you eat if you really want to get a greater understanding of your body Mm -hmm. um and that's not something we all want to see. Right. You still got to give yourself some fun and some joy. Yeah. Right. You still got to have your cake on occasion. Um, you can make sure it's not a processed cake from the store. You can bake the cake, mm-hmm. but you can't be unrealistic in your tr- nutrition expectations. You right. got to let yourself be human too. Mm-hmm. But documenting it is a, <laughs> a huge eye opener for people when they realize those extra. You know, when they realize an Oberon is an extra 200 calories Mm -hmm. or something like that, or a glass of wine, you know, it's definitely not low in its caloric intake or the sugar values in them. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So with your, um, when you were trying to take care of your inflammation, uh, were you able to reintroduce some of those things like sugar at lower levels? Like, how did you approach that? Or are you still like... Yeah, I did it in different... I've introduced a lot of foods, um, I would say in different ratios 
and different forms. Okay. So I still do cheese on occasion. I can't do a lot of it. Um, it has to be... I, I would say that I make sure that what I eat is worth eating and having it invest into myself. I don't waste my time on you know, cheap alternatives. If I'm going to eat cheese, it's going to be like a damn good Parmesan or mm-hmm. a really good brie. Um, I'm going to make sure that there are cheeses where the lactose is more digested from the fermentation process so my body doesn't get as inflamed. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to eat sugars, I'm going to make sure that it's a really rich sugar so that when I eat it, I get a satisfaction out of it. So I'm going to use honey because it has the highest taste of sweetness with the lowest amount used. Okay. Um, so I think there's different ways. Yeah, you can definitely hone that in and reintroduce things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's important to still be able to like function within whatever you're helping your diet does for you because we're human. We still yes. got to remember that part. Yep, yep. And I, I, for me, that's kind of why I like the higher fat, higher protein. Like carbs are super fun. They might be mm-hmm. like the most fun macro if oh, we're if we're talking about it. But like fat can also be super fun. So yeah, like totally. there's a lot of fun things that you can eat that are high in fat if that's what you're if that's what your preference is and then protein, I mean, I'm a big protein guy. I like protein, but, um, so that one's always easy. Well, and they all play such a different role in our body. And so some people need more of one thing than another and making sure that you know what your nutritional needs are is worth investing into as well. You Mm -hmm. know, go see someone and get, um, your resting metabolic rate tested, you know, see what that's like. And you know, if you're a high functioning athlete, you're going to need some carbs to burn off. Right. It's just the reality of it. Um, as a vegetarian, my carb count is higher than most, but mm-hmm. they're a different type of carbohydrate. So they're carbohydrates from beans or vegetables, which are a slower digesting carbohydrate and they don't cause insulin spikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not getting those big ups and downs Correct. with stuff like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, right on. I mean, is there, I want to talk a little bit more probably, I don't know what time it is. We've been going for over an hour. Um, <laughs> that was quick. Yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. I didn't know we'd covered like diet so much. So yeah. much, yeah. But you're uh, really well read on the on the subject, so I want to pick <laughs> your brain. That, that was a lot of fun. Got a little nerdy, right? Um, is there anything else like about your business specifically, or like kombucha, or how you're how you're doing things uh, that you want people to know about? Mm. There's so much to know, and I think that it would be best to connect with them um, individually if they have any questions. They can connect with us on Instagram at Cultured Kombucha. They can connect with us on Facebook at Cultured Kombucha Company. They can also reach out to us directly at our website, drinkcultured.com. Right on. Um, more importantly, I want to express the fact that Cultured has been my my vessel and my tool to help people understand themselves a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So, you know, knowing that you have access to making yourself feel better, um, into living a, a healthier lifestyle. It, there's, there's easy alternatives out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do, can I still have you for a couple more minutes? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about some of the other stuff that you're into. You just jogged my memory on mm. it. Um, so as far as like meditation and then Reiki, you yes. said as well, can yep. you just give a couple minutes to each of those? Yeah. Explain so, it to people like especially Reiki. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar? I, yeah. Now that's the I'm not going to explain it well enough, but yes. <laughs> yes, sir. I didn't want to like <laughs> insult you by trying to explain what it is. You had the hand gestures yeah. right. It was great. Right. Um, so I am certified as a Reiki master and a meditation facilitator. I use meditation as a practice for my own body to um, 
as I was starting my business to keep myself grounded, uh, you can, you know, count on me to get monkey mind really well. Mm. And I just, my brain's it's, you can see it on my face. I just scatter. Um, but so meditation was my form of a tool to help me grow personally and professionally in that sense. Reiki changed my life pretty dramatically. Um, I actually started cultured, uh, right after I, um, got out of an engagement and I kind of used Reiki as a tool to move through that. Hmm. And so Reiki is essentially what one can refer to as, um, socially conscious life force energy. And if that's a little bit too much of a word, uh, essentially it is a Japanese stress reduction technique. Okay. So it's, it, what I love about it is that it can be verified. So, so many people are like, Oh, energy work. Yeah, sure. Okay. You can see it. You Mm -hmm. can see it on, on body scans and Reiki is used in over 1000 hospitals now. Oh wow. Yeah. It's incredible. And so what Reiki does is it allows me as a practitioner to essentially tune into you, um, with your permission and act as a conduit or a channel for, uh, Reiki energy which is also referred to in yoga as chi, which is referred mm. to in so many other areas as just general life force energy. It's this, this beautiful energy that we all have access to at any given time. You know, that moment when you feel like you're doing something right mm-hmm. or you're just in the right place or you're tuned in and you just feel in sync, like that's the energy we're taking. Okay. And so the idea or mantra is that energy goes where intention flows. And so before your session, one would set some intentions and... We would go through just a simple laying of hands on certain areas. Um, it could be hands off if the person prefers. And we channel Reiki energy towards your best and highest good. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's super interesting. And I, yeah, I'm a believer in that type of stuff. But I think for people that that aren't, like you could probably find a parallel of like if you've gotten any type of massage mm-hmm. or uh, physical therapy you're going to benefit more from it if you feel like the person who is leading that cares about you. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like there's totally. that connection so that you feel invested in it because they're invested in you. Yes. And I think it finds more success. Absolutely. And I think, um, actually chiropractor is a really great way to, to cue into it. Have you, do you go to the chiropractor? I don't know. My okay. wife's a physical therapist though. Nice. Okay. So you get it. Um, yeah, there's that feeling of when you're in alignment, when everything's just flowing really Mm -hmm. smoothly. And I, I, that's what I like to equate Reiki to. Um, it allows you to tune into your conscious mind, but it also allows you to get into your subconscious mind as well. And that's where the goodness is really happening. Right. And so if you look at neuroplasticity and brain rewiring and, and all of these other opportunities we have at this day and age to kind of manipulate ourselves towards their greatest and, and highest good, um, Reiki is definitely one of them. And so what it does, it is allows your brain to go from an alpha wave state all the way down to a delta if you really allow it, which is like your your total zone out. Mm-hmm. And that's where the healing can occur within your body. Wow. Delta brain waves um, is where your body can really get into the anti-inflammation as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's int- I just had like the weirdest thought and question. Yeah. Like, you know, when people get um, like a limb removed, what's that called? Oh, like the phantom where yeah, you think so you have, have a limb phantom, still? Yeah, so their like, foot will itch, but the foot isn't there. Yeah. Have you ever heard of anybody people. like practicing Reiki like on a phantom limb? That's really I, out there. I, I don't haven't, know. but I can only imagine that it, I mean, the, the theory is there. 
because you're working with an energy system that's detached, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, their their neurons are still firing like the limb is attached and their brain's having a hard time with that. So definitely neuroplasticity is a huge option for that. Oh, right. Yeah, because the the even though the limb isn't there, the mechanism that's creating the sensation that they're feeling is intact. Your brain's still sending all of those firing signals down to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. All right. That's that's really interesting. I need to go Google that, look that up. Right. Um, no, let me know what you find out. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send you a link. When I first started taking my first level class, uh, they're like, go home tonight. Just relax. You know, enjoy the new knowledge that you have. And if you're feeling like it, practice on an animal. And I went home and I was like, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it right. I can't do this. <laughs> I looked at my dog. I was like, Romesco come here. <laughs> He's like, do I have to mom? Right. And so he came over and he laid down and started working on his, like his head chakra, nothing. Worked on his throat chakra, nothing. Put my hands on his chest to work on his heart chakra. And then boom, his eyes just rolled back and he flopped Whoa, over my lap. Crazy. I was like, yes, I can do this. Wow. This is great. Yeah. yeah. That, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that just that Reiki has all these benefits. Um, and skeptics are going to be there whether we want it or not. But it has scientific data behind it, too. Mm-hmm. And it's being honored in hospitals. And if modern medicine can give something an opportunity. Right. I mean. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they don't want to change a whole lot sometimes or accept new practices. No, totally not. Yeah. That's that's interesting. There's also the, uh, what's the scraping? Gua sha. Are you familiar with the scraping techniques? Um, like the lymphatic? They'll like, I think that that actually is for inflammation, too. Where they'll take like lotion, put it on. Like if someone's having rotator cuff issues, they'll put it on and then they'll actually scrape. My wife has done it to me before. I think it's called gua sha or something. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that at all or not. I've had a similar practice done. I don't know that the same name was used, but yeah, they really dig into your ligaments. They like warm it up really well with massage first and then they just, you kind of just want to scream. Yeah, because it like, it actually breaks some blood vessels and stuff in some cases like, you know, where they're scraping. I think she used a like a wooden spoon with some lotion and was like really digging into my traps and stuff. And, um, it did, it released like a ton of tension. You Obviously that's a different thing though. than Reiki, but well, it's but interesting. I need scare where it needs scare. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I want to, I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we get out of here? Um, come see us at an event at the tap room. Okay. Uh, come see us at a community meditation, which we just had tonight or a home brewing class on kombucha. Uh, stay tuned for some super cool upcoming events, but also, you know, check a store near you for cultured, try yeah. our brand, give us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Um, or just connect. Excellent. Yeah. And like she said, there's those links that, uh, were mentioned a couple of minutes ago. And of course I'll put those in the show notes as well. Check out what they have going on. The beverage is delicious. I just finished it and they're offering just a ton of cool, unique opportunities to get involved. So Thank you guys for listening and thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. All right. Love you guys. Bye-bye.